I'm Jenny Galuzzo, co-founder of The Second Shift. Welcome to our podcast where we talk all things women, work, and well-being, how they intersect, our competing forces, and how to create and maintain personal and professional alignment in your life. Let's do this. What's a good apology? What makes a good apology and why is it important? We all know a bad apology when we see it or hear it. It kind of cringes and you know it's phony and you are filled with schadenfreude at the failed apology, especially when it comes to public figures who are failing in their apologies. But I've never paid that much attention to a good apology. Luckily, Marjorie Ingle and Susan McCarthy have been doing that for years at their website, sorrywatch.com, where they dissect with a lot of humor celebrity and public figure apologies. If I had known about this website, I would have been all over it. But luckily, they wrote a book. It's called Sorry, 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 The Case for Good Apologies. And in it, they really go into... What are the steps that make a good apology? Why is it important? Why is it important to forgive and to accept an apology? Examples of really bad ones and ones that we all do, the I'm sorry if you felt that way. Ooh, that's never any good. So with this information, I am definitely going to change my tune on apologies because it is important and there's something good about knowing that you have the right intention in what you're trying to say and why, and then also being on the other side of it and accepting it and being able to move forward. They also go into like all great examples of juicy apology fails. And on the flip side of that, talk about why it's so important to teach your kids how to apologize properly, to move forward and to own and hold themselves accountable. So this is a great conversation something I not really thought that much about before. But now that I think about it, especially in this time of like social media mobs run amok and how the slightest infraction can get somebody in trouble without a lot of context, it is important to know how to apologize properly and to mean it and when and where to use an apology. So enjoy. Marjorie and Susan... I'm so happy to see you. I've learned so much from just initially looking through your book and your website, Sorry Watch, which I didn't know about and am now obsessed with. And you are the authors of Sorry, 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 The Case for Good Apologies. And I think there's so much to talk about and unpack here. And I see myself in the good and the bad in your book. And I, we all I think are the we all are the good and the bad. I was like, oh, I do that. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and we've all been on the receiving end of a bad apology. But I, I want to get started with where did Sorry Watch come from? Because that it's so clever, and I can't believe I missed this. Some years back, I wrote a piece for Salon.com, and it was just a humor piece about. Apologies that were in the news at that time and uh, the horror that is sorry if. And, you know, sorry if I made you feel bad. Sorry if that came out wrong. Sorry if your whole country went into a rational mourning because we accidentally bombed your embassy. And I didn't think that it would have lasting 
impact just because it was about contemporary news. But I kept getting messages from people going, I made my mom read that. I printed it out and I made my boyfriend read it because he didn't understand why Sorry If wasn't making me happy. And I realized that it was something people really cared about. And I knew that my friend Marjorie had written about this regularly for uh, the Jewish press in the context of atonement and forgiveness at the high holidays. Plus, I knew that Marjorie was really funny. So I suggested we start the website. Said, have I got that right, Marjorie? That's pretty much it. And it's been a decade and there's still so much more to say about apologies. We're not bored with the topic, which is why we wrote the book. It's not a boring topic. I think in some ways it's more relevant, relevant, that isn't relevant. Than relevant ever. and revelatory, Jenny. Yeah, I mean, all of the things. <laughs> you know, there's so many reasons why, but we live in a social media culture where any little minor miss hap, you get the mob rule running you over and forcing people to apologize for good, for bad, without context in many situations. And, and I think it deserves a conversation about, you know, how to apologize, but also are there times when you should apologize and are there times when it's just performative? Yeah. Uh, well, we believe if you're not sorry, don't apologize. And part of the blessing and the curse of the social media world is that it tends to move on which is hard to remember if you're on the receiving end of the fire hose of anger and hatred. But we don't, We also like to point out that really good apologies also tend to go viral, not just crappy ones. So sometimes it's good, you know, we are not crisis communications counselors, we're not PR people. We are just journalists and human beings who really believe in the value of a good apology. So sometimes it's important to take a step back and look at the difference between how apologies work in our own human personal circles with friends and family versus what is happening, you know, in the great big world of social media entertainment and pylons. We tend to believe that you know, you want to be the kind of person who can apologize and the kind of person who can accept apologies. And that's work on both sides of the fence, as opposed to the kind of person who just likes to pile on, which is part of the problem with social media. On the other hand, social media can be a blessing in that it makes people have to respond when they do something horrible. Famous people are no longer quite so out of reach and in the clouds as they once were, which again, blessing and curse. But you know, the rules for you and me are really different. And the people in our personal lives we'd like to think are perhaps more willing to give us the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. So what makes a good apology? What are some examples? What's an example of an apology that you guys think was handled really well recently that, that I would know about or that the wider audience would agree with? Um, Well, one funny one was the outgoing prime minister of New Zealand. Prime minister? Is that her title? Suddenly I'm going. Yeah. 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 So Jacinda Ardern was caught on a hot mic saying of a political rival who had just completely excoriated her on the lawmaker floor. She called him. um, I can use bad words here, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, She called him a prick. 
Um, I think like it was like an officious prick or a sanctimonious prick or something like that. And uh, it wasn't cool, but she apologized to him personally as well as publicly, which is important for public figures who apologize. Sometimes they lie and they say they reached out when they didn't. She actually did. And he accepted her apology and the two of them autographed the transcript of the session and auctioned it off for a prostate cancer charity, which I think is hilarious. So <laughs> that's a good, yeah, it's, the, yeah, it's handling funny, it well. It's quick. It wasn't a humongous deal and it turned something bad into something good. What could be better? I love that. Susan, what are the six steps to a good apology? You guys outlined six steps. What are we they? We did. We outlined six steps and then we added a half step. And six you don't and a half. do all okay. six and a half in every apology. You know, if you bump into someone, you're not going to do all six. But for a really good apology, number one, you say, I'm sorry, or I apologize. You don't get into the weeds of how bad you feel. Number two, you say what it is that you are apologizing for. You don't say, God, I'm sorry how that turned out. Yeah, sorry about Wednesday night. Number three, you show that you understand the impact. You know, I I borrowed your car without permission and I left you stranded. Number four is you don't make excuses. If you absolutely need to, you can explain and you can say, you know, my kid has a trike that looks just like that one. I wasn't trying to steal your kid's trike. I thought my kid had left their trike out on the sidewalk. Okay, that's an explanation that's useful, but an excuse like I was having a terrible day and I just couldn't take one more bit of criticism. No, that's not good. Uh, Number five is uh, say why it's not going to happen again. Next time I'm going to look at the handlebars of the trike and make sure that it is my kid's trike. Uh, Number six is make reparations if necessary, at least give back the trike for heaven's sakes. But also, you know, maybe offer to pay for dry cleaning if you spilled coffee on their couch. And then the six and a half step is, listen, let them have their say. Let them talk about uh, how upset they were when they thought someone, the fourth time someone stole their kid's trike. Yeah, the useful thing about those six and a half steps is they are relevant. If you are a small child who has just chased someone with a booger and you're teaching your kid how to apologize for that, they are good for a prime minister. They are good for uh, a spouse who is angry at the other spouse for not unloading the dishwasher. They are good for corporations and institutions and governments. And roommates. And roommates. (laughs) What happens after? Because I've definitely seen in my own personal example uh, where you apologize for something and you mean it and you're like, I'm really sorry. And then you're waiting. In some ways you feel like then that's it. We're done here. Like I've apologized. And so the situation is now done. Move on. What's the case for either rejecting an apology? Like that seems like something that only happens when you're 10. Like, I don't, I do not accept it. Or just not being ready to move on because the apologizer often feels like, okay, well, I did that. I apologize. I meant it. We've like apology washed the moment. And now it's time to move on. What happens after the apology? Well, the great philosopher Maimonides back in the Middle Ages said that you have to apologize. If somebody doesn't accept your apology, you have to apologize well three times. And the third time you're off the hook. So sometimes people just aren't willing to move on. 
And sometimes some things that people do are unforgivable. You don't have to accept an apology for something that's, you know, should we have accepted Harvey Weinstein's apologies? Like, no, like sometimes, you know, an apology isn't a panacea that fixes everything. However, you know, if your friend is still angry at you and you feel that anger and they're just like, it's fine, you can say, I feel like it's not fine. You know, is there something more that we should be talking about? Or I sense that you're wanting something from me that I haven't given you. Can we talk about what that is? I will also say that just as many of us were never taught to apologize or never saw a good apology, many of us weren't taught to accept an apology and weren't never didn't see apologies accepted. And so just very simple formulas like thank you or thank you. I know that was hard for you to say. Thank you. I accept the apology. You can just say that or you can say thank you. I need to think about that for a while. I I, I like that. And is there a statute of limitations on apologies? Two examples. Example number one is you put something on Twitter and now it's 20 years later. Do we feel that it's necessary to enforce an apology so many years later when this is like could be like a totally different human? But also, is there a statute of limitations where if you feel like you want to apologize for something that you shouldn't or that you it's still open to if that's in you to want to do it? I don't think there's a statute of limitations. I got an apology for something that had happened 25 years before that meant a great deal to me. You know, injuries of high school, (laughs) (laughs) really painful, never expected to get an apology. Wow, that meant a lot. But more often people are saying, oh, that was weeks ago or in your example, you know, I was 17 when I posted that dumb stuff. Well, first of all, you, you should take it down if it's dumb stuff. And I do think that it is worth saying to people, do you still think that? If you don't think that, why is it still up there? Why don't you take that ugliness down? Can I give a counterpoint? I have um, a friend of my daughter's who's a comedian staying here. And she pointed out that Bo Burnham has made horrible, you know, this is somebody who has pretty much grown up online, lived his entire life online and lived his comedic life online. Um, And he has kept up a lot of the offensive stuff that he said when he was younger, along with responses to what he would say now. And, you know, it helps if you have a fan base who, when somebody comes out, you know, roaring out of the woodwork saying, do you know what he said when he was 17, that somebody else can say, but he's addressed that. So, you know, it, it can be complicated. We do believe that people should be allowed to grow and change and be forgiven for dumb shit they did when they were younger. There are, of course, again, things are unforgivable, but don't we want to live in the world where forgiveness is possible? And isn't there a case for the positive impact just in general on society, on yourself, on your psychology, mentality of the apology? Yeah. Like we, again, as Susan said, we don't see, a lot of us did not grow up seeing our parents. We saw, we saw our parents fight, but we didn't necessarily see them make up. And we didn't hear the words, I'm sorry. And people didn't apologize to us when we were children. So the notion that it's never too late and we can see people grow and change is awesome and fulfilling for everyone and an example for everyone. And you guys have seen that there's like real studies that show that there is a positive effect in every case of apologizing or accepting an apology. 
there's a lot of research on forgiveness and how good forgiveness is for the body, for the soul, for the blood pressure, for the heart rate, for the cortisol levels. There isn't as much on apology, on the positive impacts of apology, because most apologies, I think, are so crappy, which is why we have that six and a half steps. Because one thing we do know is that a shitty apology makes people angrier. When you look at medical, at studies of the medical field, when, you know, doctors do their regret instead of, you know, we regret that this happened or refuse to take any responsibility, say, I'm sorry for the situation. Uh, which does not take any responsibility for whatever the situation was, like operating on the wrong leg, then people get vindictive and juries get vindictive. And there are larger jury awards when malpractice suits go to trial because people get mad when they realize that they are being gaslit. And that just makes sense too, right? I like what you said about growing up and not seeing apologies and not, you know, experiencing forgiveness in front of you. And we, I have two young sons, and since they're little, you would be like, you know, apologize for this thing and, and sort of like force them into apologizing for some slight, you spilled the person's milk or whatever it was. Right. But, you know, I don't, I sometimes think that like forcing that doesn't really teach them what it is and why they're doing it. It's just, it's like, you know, On the other hand, behavior. I don't know. It's right. good. It's and, good to know. Right. right. And you teach kids to tie their shoes. They're not born knowing how to tie their shoes. And the only, you know, it's important to talk about how the other person feels when you say apologize. We have a list in the um, in the book. There's a whole chapter on teaching kids to apologize. And there's a list of great children's books that talk about apologies. And picture books in particular are a conversation that you have with your child. They're not a text. They're not like you know, the Torah or something. They're like, you know, they're a conversation that you have with your kid. How do you think this kid felt in the book? Why was this apology helpful? How would you feel in this situation? Wouldn't it, it would be hard for you to apologize too, right? It's painful. And when a kid apologizes for a bad thing, you say, I know that was hard. And a lot of adults can't even do that. So go you. Now, what do we do? How do we move forward from the broken window or from the kid crying because you grabbed their toy? It's an accountability thing. Too yeah. at the end of the day, being able to apologize and own something is taking accountability for your own behaviors, for what you say, how you act in the world, how it affects other people, and just owning yourself. Yeah. And, your- and a lot of times with parents, we don't like our kids to be uncomfortable. We like to see our kids as uh, an extension of ourselves, and we don't want to see them, you know, we want it to be the teacher's fault, we want it to be the other kid's fault. So it's often challenging to let your kid sit with discomfort, but it's such an important lesson to deal with consequences and that will serve them well for their whole life. Or you can get to be the president. Or that, yes. So, you know, I don't know, Mm because then we, you know, we, again, going back to where we are in, in a society where apologizing even has become sort of politicized or gendered in a certain way. I noticed through a gender lens that women are very quick to apologize for things, even when it's not necessarily their fault. Um, You know, there's a lot of, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for holding space. I'm sorry for being here. I'm sorry for everything, which is almost like is the wrong kind of, I'm sorry. Um, I came of age as a journalist in um, at Sassy, which was a very beloved. I remember Sassy. Yeah. Which is how we met our mutual friend, Maria, who who connected us, um, who was my intern, beloved intern. 
So I've seen that phenomenon of teenage girls apologizing simply for breathing. But on the other hand, I tend to like to flip it and say, why do we criticize women for apologizing too much rather than criticizing men for not apologizing more? And why is the default always male? And I think you also have to, anytime we, we look at a lot of studies for the site and for the book, and whenever I look at a study and I don't see it broken down by gender and race, then I'm always suspicious because for black women in particular, but for women in general, there are real consequences in the workplace and in the world at large for not being seen as sufficiently friendly, accessible. So I, I tend to worry that we are policing women's speech all the time. We're not, we're supposed to be careful about uptalk. We're supposed to be careful about vocal fry. Now we're supposed to be careful about not apologizing too much. Sometimes I feel like just let your voice do the thing that your voice does. The one advice that I saw about don't say sorry that I really liked was just the, the reflexive, um, sorry to bother you. If it's in a workplace context saying is now a good time rather than sorry to bother you because you're doing what you need to get your job done and to make that other person's life easier too. But in general, I always like to try to flip it and say, you know, you'd say you talk the way you talk in the way that gets you through the day. You know, that's all we as women can do is just get through the damn day. But it is kind of crazy that it's become a politicized thing where like somehow it's more masculine never to apologize for anything and then just bully your way into what you want is now become like that's somehow like aligned with like conservatism and like this masculinity and like being accountable, apologizing, owning yourself is somehow seen as like progressive or liberal or feminine. And that feels like a bad rift in the fabric of society to me. It's a bad rift and it's just so, so short-sighted. When you apologize, you make yourself vulnerable in the short term. You say, I did, I said a bad thing, a dumb thing. I'm sorry, I take responsibility for that. I apologize. So you're putting yourself one down, you're making yourself vulnerable, but in the longer run, You're showing that you are a strong adult who's not terrified of a moment of vulnerability. You're showing that you care about doing the right thing. And so people who say, oh, no, real men don't apologize. You know, I never apologize or I would apologize if I ever did something wrong, but I've never done anything wrong. Oh, please. That's so childish. We are in a terrible, uh, as you say, terrible, riven, divided political place right now. But I'd also point out that maybe the movies, they tend to cross a lot of boundaries. And the sheer number of movies that were nominated for Oscars this year that dealt with apology and forgiveness, I thought were so... I saw a funny tweet about Turning Red, um, Everything Everywhere All at Once. There were two more. Uh, Women talking? What? Women are talking talking for sure. But just how many... The tweet didn't mention that one, but, but it was all about how clearly millennial filmmakers are working through wanting apologies from their parents, which I thought was really a a funny, cool thing to say. But yeah, I do think that, um, again, don't we all want apologies from our parents? Isn't that just the nature of being But the fact that, that, uh, that our art is making us talk and think about it, I think can be useful to people across the political 
divide. And also you find in the even in the political divide, when people know people in their lives who are different from them politically, they tend to be a little more um, sympathetic to an actual human than this idea of, you know, whatever this demon boogeyman progressives are. So I'm still hopeful about the power of apologies, even if some politicians absolutely will never admit wrongdoing and will never apologize. Well, I have to say, I hope that your book is a step forward in that direction because it lays out very clearly all the steps that you need, the argument why, how to construct the apology, and and you really dive into good ones, bad ones, you know, the the historical case for them, the religious case for apology. And a whole and, chapter on crappy celebrity apologies, because they are fun to look at. It's very fun because yeah. they they really yeah. uh, set the bar very low. So <laughs> it looks part, so fun to know we can beat them at that. <laughs> also, because they have like such enormous teams of people who are theoretically doing this for them. They should be the best at they it. Really and should. when you do see a good apology or somebody handling it really well, it's like life affirming in a certain way where you're like, that makes me feel good that like there's a positive outcome and that's how you handle things. Yeah, so thank you for writing this book. I have recognized some of my own flaws inside of it and I'm going to go back and do some of the worksheets and things that you outline to figure out how to reprogram myself because I want to be good at apologizing and meaning it and accepting them. If there's anybody in your world who owes you an apology, I think the book can be helpful in building that bridge between you. In some cases, again, you know, there's also the unforgivable out there. But um, the whole point in the book was to be funny, be affirming, and talk about the power that a good apology really has. Well, you've done it. You did that in your book. So congratulations. And I was so pleased to have met you both, Susan McCarthy and Marjorie Ingall, and the book, Sorry, 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 The Case for Good Apologies. Thank you for being here and talking to me. Thank you so much, Jenny, for having us. This was really fun. Spending your time chatting with me about, I'm sorry. Thank Thank you, Jenny. Thank you so much. Take Take care, care, ladies. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining the conversation. For more, you can follow along at thesecondshift.com. Please rate, review, subscribe, and help us make work work for you and for all women.